Did you know that January 2nd is the second day of 2024? That's a year that's so new there have not yet been any editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to inform humans in a small section of Central Virginia about local government and other issues. I'm Sean Tubbs, glad to be back to work, piecing it all together for a growing audience. On today's program, Charlottesville selects a new mayor for 2024 and 2025. UVA's Buildings and Grounds Committee gets a first look at student housing proposed at the Darden School of Business. The University of Virginia wins several sustainability awards. The area's new members of the General Assembly have filed their first bills and a quick look at one land use application that's making its way through Charlottesville's processing system. In the first subscriber-supported shout-out of 2024, it's time to learn a little about a nonprofit group that plays a major role to keep the Jefferson-Madison Regional Library going strong. Friends of JMRL plays an important role in the slightly Byzantine structure of library budgets. Proceeds from the popular book sale each spring and fall go to pay for children's, teen, and adult programs. The five jurisdictions that make up JMRL pay for facilities, salaries, and operational costs. State aid funds the collection acquisitions for all materials, physical and digital. The federal E-rate program pays for equipment purchases, and friends of JMRL, well, they raise funds for all sorts of activities. That includes the Library Endowment, in conjunction with the Charlottesville Albemarle Community Foundation. This awards money to special efforts such as the NAACP Scholarship, as well as grants to out-of-area patrons to cover the $30 fee for residents of non-member localities. Friends of JMRL also manage the Books Behind Bars program. Volunteers find and ship books to Virginia inmates at no cost to the inmates. Expenses are paid through private benefactors and red light management. Visit jmrlfriends.org to learn more and find out how you can get involved. In their first act of business for 2024, Charlottesville City Council has unanimously elected Juan Diego Wade as mayor for the next two years. I'm honored. I, I love this community. I've, I've served it um, since a student here in 88 in the planning school and continue on in different capacities. And I often tell people I'm a humble public servant, and, um, and, and this allows me to do it in a lot different capacity than I thought I did when I first came to this community. But things happen, and I'm here on council and now as mayor. And um, I'm going to use my position to continue to move this city forward. Councilor Brian Pinkston nominated Wade to the position for his service to the community, including four terms as an elected member of the Charlottesville School Board. Wade had been nominated to serve as mayor in 2022, but he declined at the time, paving the way for two years of Councilor Lloyd Snook in the first among equals position after a divided three to two vote. He's taken the last two years to sort of learn the ropes of what's involved and sort of keeping an eye on, on Mr. Snook and what he can learn from him. And um, I think that he's brought his his you know trademark kindness, compassion, but also willingness to really roll up his sleeves and, and get good work done. 
Wade then nominated Pinkston to serve as vice mayor. We have worked um, together um, in uh, many capacities over the last few years, and um, we ran together. We have worked up many um, issues um, as counselors over the last couple of years. In his comments, Pinkston thanked Snook for his leadership over the last two years, particularly getting the new development code approved. He said he would use his position to push the priorities of other counselors in addition to his own. I, f- I feel really optimistic about where the city is and where it's going. More from City Council in future editions of the newsletter. Sometime this year, the University of Virginia's Board of Visitors will get a look at a planning study that will inform how to implement an initiative to provide enough beds on grounds to second-year students. In December, the BOV's Buildings and Grounds Committee had a preliminary look at schematic designs to house students at the Darden School of Business, located in UVA's North Grounds. UVA architect Alice Rocher began with this geographical perspective. Central Grounds lies roughly equidistant from the downtown mall and and, uh, North Grounds. So the work we're doing to make Ivy Corridor and the athletics area more connected and pedestrian and bicycle friendly, along with all the, the wonderful Darden projects, will really serve to break down this perceived distance. Many of those projects are considered as part of a master plan for Darden adopted in 2017 and refreshed in 2022 by Robert A. M. Stern Architects. The new version was approved by the Buildings and Grounds Committee that September, as I reported at the time. Link in the newsletter. Rocher said the updated plan included an addition to Saunders Hall to include an innovation hub, additions to improvements to faculty buildings to support Darden's strategic vision goals, and the development of two areas for student housing. Development of student housing in two locations, south connected to existing Ivy Gardens by a new pedestrian bridge crossing Leonard Sandwich Road, which you can see on the left, and north then to surround the existing parking garage. And it's this uh, north student housing that I'll be presenting for your review today. The residential units would be constructed in two buildings oriented in an L shape with one between the main parking garage and Abbott Center and another to the west of that building. This is a deviation from the master plan, which had anticipated these buildings would be constructed along slopes to the north of the garage. The two buildings will house uh, about 218 units of studio one and one, two and three bedroom apartments with a total of approximately 350 beds. People parking in the garage to visit Darden would walk through two open breezeways in the larger residential structure. One note from committee members was for planners to do what they can to limit the impact construction will have. BOV member Jim Murray wondered if the user experience had been taken into consideration when deciding the location, though he noted later there was no floor plan available yet. It seems like a massive building. It's more like a prison or a dorm, you know, undergraduate dormitory than I just think for a graduate student, uh, yeah. many people who've been out in the business world yeah, to be in a be crammed together in a huge building like that. Are they going to be happy? Rocher said she has worked with Robert A.M. Stern Architects to develop two new residential colleges, and she said the design for Darden would work. They're quite they're quite lovely, actually. So I think the experience is is quite. Student housing would be mandatory, but would be optional. Scott Beardsley is the dean of the Darton School of Business. 
we do think and we surveyed our students um, that there's a strong desire to have uh, proximate housing. That's what we see in our in our peer business school landscape. There will be many more stories about student housing coming up this year. This might be a theme in 2024. At the end of their meeting on December 7, 2023, the Buildings and Grounds Committee learned of several awards from Colette Sheehy, UVA's Senior Vice President for Operations and State Government Relations. The renovation of Gilmer Hall received the 2023 Award of Excellence from the American Institute of Architects Northern Virginia chapter in the Juror's Citation for Institutional Architecture. The renovation of the Chemistry Building won a 2023 United States Green Building Council's Community Leadership Award in the Rise to the Challenge section. Sheehy said the work has reduced energy consumption in the building by 50%. That translates into an annual cost savings of $1.2 million. And in addition, we reduced water consumption by 60% for another $130,000 a year. UVA is also a participant in the U.S. Department of Energy's Better Buildings Challenge. UVA President Jim Ryan was recently told that goals have been surpassed. We had a goal when we joined the Better Building Challenge in 2013. We had a goal of reducing our net energy usage by um, 20%. And in 2023, we exceeded that with a reduction of 27%. Sheehy said UVA will also install more rooftop solar across grounds, including installations at the School of Data Science and the old Ivy Office building. The University of Virginia's Board of Visitors will be back in town in late February. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, the first few notes of 2024 have now been played, and the Charlottesville Jazz Society has all the details you need to learn where the best ones can be heard this month. Check out the event calendar at seavillejazz.com to learn what's coming up beginning this Thursday with a monthly jam session at the Center at Belvedere and ending with the Society's local jazz spotlight series at Miller's on the Downtown Mall on Sunday, January 28th. This month will feature the Royce Campbell Trio with Royce Campbell on guitar, Bob Bowen on bass, and Jim Howe on drums. The Charlottesville Jazz Society is also seeking assistance with efforts to house out-of-town performers. A previous sponsorship with a local hotel has ended, so the Society is hoping for new donors who might be willing to be hotel heroes to help continue the flow of talent who comes to Charlottesville to play. Visit SeavilleJazz.org to learn more, and perhaps I'll see you there on the 28th. General Assembly begins in eight days, and Albemarle and Charlottesville both have new legislators starting at the same time. Delegate Katrina Carlson will represent all of Charlottesville and a portion of Albemarle in the new 54th district. Delegate Amy Lawfer will represent the rest of Albemarle in the 55th. 
Cree Deeds will represent the new 11th Senate District, which covers all of Charlottesville and Albemarle, as well as all of Amherst and Nelson County. Deeds also represents the western portion of Louisa County. Both of the new delegates have filed their first bills. Here's a selection from all three. Delegate Lawfer has filed a bill that would make it a Class 1 misdemeanor to possess a weapon or take it into a mental health services facility. That's HB 23. Delegate Colson has filed a bill that would establish the Kinship as Foster Care Prevention Program, allowing an alternate pathway for some children who need homes. Lawfer and Colson are both co-patrons of a constitutional amendment to restore voting rights to those convicted of felonies upon those individuals' release. Deeds is a co-patron of a similar amendment in the Senate. Colson is also a co-patron of legislation filed by Senator Jeremy McPike that would allow all localities to hold a sales tax referendum to provide revenue for school construction. Senator Deeds is also a co-patron of a Senate bill. Senator Deeds is the chief patron of a bill that would make it a Class 1 misdemeanor to buy, possess, sell, or otherwise transfer an assault firearm. Deeds is also a co-patron of legislation to increase Virginia's minimum wage, a bill to prohibit extradition to other states for crimes related to reproductive health in those states, and a prohibition on search warrants to find a person's menstrual health. He's also a co-patron of a constitutional amendment to guarantee an individual's right to making their own choices on reproductive health. Finally today, a new year brings a new zoning code for Charlottesville and new challenges for those of us who want to try to keep track of what's happening. While at least one civil engineer has already indicated he will seek city council's approval to rezone at least one property, it is widely understood that most projects will move forward by right under the new zoning. Unlike Albemarle County, Charlottesville does not have a public archive for land use applications. People who are interested in projects are notified by planners in the Department of Neighborhood Development Services when new documents are filed. That was the case on December 20th, when city planner Matt Alfoley wrote to residents who signed up for information on Azalea Springs, a proposed 45-home single-family subdivision in the Fry's Spring neighborhood between Monte Vista Avenue and Azalea Drive. The project involves a consolidation of 88 platted lots into half that amount, as well as infrastructure to support the state's wastewater needs. Alfoley wrote to about a dozen people who had indicated interest in the development to tell them that the final site plan, submission number three, had been resubmitted to the city for review. They were also told that staff had 45 days to review the application. The city planner also provided a link to various files for this round of the project. However, the package does not include a list of staff comments from the previous round or doesn't appear to. Alfoley also wrote to that group that civil engineer Scott Collins had submitted the latest iteration of the final site plan through the city's new permitting portal. According to materials in Alfoley's OneDrive folder, the project seemed to have one project number, but that didn't seem to yield anything correctly. A quick question to the city revealed the actual number for that application is P21-0125, and that did yield information and confirmed that the project is under review, but the documents are not yet available. 
This year, I'll be documenting my attempts to learn about what's happening in the city through this portal and hope to work with officials to provide feedback to improve the ability of the city to communicate what's happening. That's why this whole thing is called Charlottesville Community Engagement. But that is the end of the program, and 2024 has gotten off to a good start because of many new paid subscribers through both Substack and Patreon, which leaves me with a renewed sense I may be able to keep doing this. Many information providers hit me up with endless requests for donations over the holiday season. I deliberately wrote three newsletters that did not ask anybody for money out of a hope that people will pay for information if you just put it out there. Now, I'm using my first end note of the year to send a general thank you to those who made a contribution. For 2024, the plan is going to be to get these published in the afternoons. I would love for this to be a morning newsletter and a daily podcast, but that would mean waking up at 3 a.m. every day, and I'm not going to make that work. I'd also like to thank Ting for their continued support as the year begins, and I'm hopeful for another 12 months of partnership and more. If you become a subscriber through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. You get some goodies if you sign up for a link and with the promo code community. And uh, those are free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtime mall. Thank you, Racky. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And goodbye. <laughs>